Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We have to learn to say, God, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me, but I'm not you. That's why I don't understand it. My understanding is so minuscule as to not even register on the meter of understanding. God knows everything, and God knows what he's doing, and he's working out his plan. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Daniel chapter 5. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I serve Bel. I serve Marduk. Daniel says, the God of heaven holds your breath in his hand. You are sustained. Your very existence is a result of this God that you've blasphemed. Wow. The God in whose very hand your breath is. Belshazzar, you couldn't take a breath were it not for God's allowing you to do it. Your breath and your whole life are in his hand. And Belshazzar had no idea. He didn't think that that was the case at all. And again, people today, they just, that doesn't even come into their minds. They, they don't think about that. They don't think that their very life itself, their breath is, is given to them as a gift by God. They don't think in terms of uh, accountability. You know, Karl Marx famously said that religion is the opiate of the people. And what he meant by that was that religion dulled the minds of people to allow others to oppress them. And so he wanted to rid the world of religion, to bring people out from under the delusion, uh, so they would rebel against their oppressors, rebel against the, the rulers. Religion is the opiate of the people. They use it to try to escape from reality. John Lennox famously said, atheism is the opiate of the people. They use it to try to convince themselves that there is no judgment. You know, this is just on my mind because I've been thinking about it a little bit. You know, just understand this with the atheist. Atheism is driven by one thing. Really, one thing drives atheism. It is the refusal to believe that they are accountable to somebody beside themselves. That is the driving force behind atheism. That's why the atheist will come up with the most absurd ideas and cling to absurd ideas and promote absurd ideas all in an effort to escape from judgment. Aldous Huxley put it this way. He said, we did not embrace Darwin because of the scientific irrefutability of his theory. We embraced Darwin because 
it gave us a way to live without the fear of a judgment. That's atheism. That's what, that's what it is. So when we hear people today, you know, talking about how there is no God and mocking people who believe in God, that's their drug. That's the heroin that they're shooting into their brains to numb themselves so they don't have to think about a judgment day. But as sure as Belshazzar had a judgment day and Nebuchadnezzar had his judgment day, which humbled him and turned him to acknowledge the God of heaven, just as, you know, whoever you want to think about in history, just as they had a judgment day, the rulers of today have a judgment day coming as well. And the future rulers, whoever they might be. And we know that there's a final ruler that's going to come. We commonly call that person the Antichrist. And one of the things the Bible makes clear is that the Antichrist has a judgment day and that the Lord will slay him with the breath of his lips and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. And all of the power that he will amass to himself will be nothing when Jesus comes. He will be destroyed without a fight, basically. So... Daniel says, because you didn't honor the God who holds your breath in his hand, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Meeny, meeny, tekel, parson, or parrots. One's plural, one's singular. So here's what was written on the wall. Numbered, weighed, divided. That's what was written on the wall. Number, weighed, divided. It was written in the language that everybody could read, but nobody could interpret it. Nobody knew what it meant. That was the dilemma. The wise men, nobody could figure it out. It was like a riddle. It was a mystery. What what does this mean? Numbered, weighed, and divided. Here's what these words mean, Daniel said to the king. Meaning, numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Wow. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Wow. Now here's the thing that's crazy. Look at this. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck. He was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Babylonians, was slain. Wow. So a Greek historian writing not too long after the fall of Babylon told the story of how the the Medes and the Persians penetrated the city. The city was impenetrable. I mean, you know, 
There's different estimations on the height of the walls, but the walls were, you know, some people say 90 feet high. Some people say they were 300 feet high. And, and you know, it, it would have seemed to anybody looking on that there's nobody that's ever going to get in here. And Belshazzar would have, in some sense, rightly thought that he was fine. He could party all night and he didn't have anything to worry about. Nobody was going to penetrate those walls. Nobody was going to make their way in. But what they discovered is that the way the water came into the city was through these tunnels. And so what they did is they dammed up a portion of the river that opened up the tunnels. And so they came into the city through these tunnels. And they took the city from the inside out and Belshazzar was slain that night. And then it says, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So there it is. Darius the Mede. Now, there's another name that we find in this context, and that name is Cyrus. Cyrus the Persian, he's called. This person's called Darius the Mede. So this has created some confusion among historians and, and even Bible translators because, again, there hasn't been any clear way to identify Darius even up to this point. So when you think of Babylon being taken and the prophecy in Isaiah 45 would be that uh, Cyrus would take the city. And so probably the best way to, to sort it out is that Cyrus, uh, Darius, we're told right here, Darius is 62 years old. So, you know, he's not a... He's not a young guy. And it seems that at this stage, probably Darius and the Mede aspect of the empire, they were the more established ruling group. And Cyrus, although, you know, maybe ruling together with him was probably more the, the military power, the leader of the, the general of the, the army that invaded and we know that Cyrus did become the king as well. So we don't know the details of it, but there's easy ways to solve the problem. Um, again, the liberal mind is just throw, throw it all out because it, it you know, it's, doesn't make sense. Therefore, it it's, uh, can't be God's word. When, if you just think about it a little bit, there's many, many ways that this could have been as it's described here. So, now, as we finish up, um, you know, just, just a couple things to think about. Le remember last time we talked about God's sovereignty. And, and again, here we see it. And this is, this is one of those things that if we can really lay hold of the truth of the sovereignty of God, it, it is so comforting. It, the sovereignty of God is meant to give us peace because lots of things happen in life and lots of things happen in the world that we don't have any control over. And many times they're bad things. They're not good things. But if we keep in mind that 
God really is in control. He's so in control that he holds the breath of Belshazzar in his hand. Belshazzar doesn't even acknowledge Yahweh, but Yahweh holds his breath in his hand. And what we have to learn to do, and I think probably more so in these days than maybe previous times and previous generations of believers, and even you know, in some of our own lifetimes as Christians, we have to learn to trust God even when everything around us is in turmoil and chaos and when it doesn't look like there's any immediate deliverance or solution to the problems. And when evil people get in power, because evil people get in power. They do. And we don't understand that. And I think sometimes we just think that, well, of course, God's not going to let that happen. But the truth of the matter is that happens over and over and over and over again in history. And God's people are not exempt from those kinds of oppressions. God's people aren't exempt from the policies and and all of the wrong-headed things that are implemented by evil people. We suffer those things as well. And what we have to remember is that God is actually still in control. And God is working through these things. Because most of the time, I'm like this. You're probably like this too. I'm mostly concerned about how these things affect me and the people that I care about, the people that I love. And I don't too often think about the bigger picture. But what you come to realize is that God is is working on a global scale. And he's... You know, God's program is to establish his kingdom. That's what his program is. And he's promised us that we are part of that kingdom. But the kingdom has not yet come. The kingdom has partially come. We're part of it. The kingdom of God is within us. We, we experience it to some degree now, but the fullness of the kingdom is coming in the future. And we know that before the fullness of the kingdom is established, there's much difficulty ahead for the human race and for planet Earth. But in all of those things, God is sovereignly working out his purpose. So my point is this, we have to learn to trust in that. We have to learn to say, God, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me, but I'm not you. That's why I don't understand it. (laughs) My understanding is so minuscule as to not even register on the meter of understanding. I know very little about everything. (laughs) I, I know very little. God knows everything. And God knows what he's doing. And he's working out his plan. I remember reading a book um, 
And the book was written by a guy named Patrick Johnston, who uh, was a missionary to um, Malawi, Africa at one time. But he wrote the book that we've used it and encouraged it as a prayer book at time uh, to pray around the world. Operation World is is the book that he originally wrote. And Operation World is a kind of a look at all of the different nations, gives you all the statistics and background about the culture and religion and all of that stuff, and then gives you things to pray about for those various nations. Um, but anyway, in another book that he wrote, he talks about, and, he, and he's actually quoting and referencing people who live through like these great atrocities. And I remember he was referring, um, he was quoting a woman who had lived through the, the massacre in Rwanda. In Rwanda, they, they had like a, was kind of a civil war, but it was a situation where one tribe took up arms against another. And when it was all said and done, they had with machetes hacked about a million people to death. It's just completely insane. And, but I remember Patrick Johnson had um, interviewed this woman and she said this. She said, as horrific as all of that was, God was working in the midst of it to turn many people's hearts to himself. Now we look at that and we just think that that's crazy. But that's, so often what happens? So we, again, with God's sovereignty, we just need to get the big picture of the fact that God is at work. And his objective is not to currently create a super comfortable place for all of his people just to hang out in and have a good time till Jesus comes back. His objective is to get his gospel throughout the whole world. And even in the face of all the opposition that there is to it, he still will do it. He does do it. And so just remember that at any given moment, he can change it, just like he did here. Belshazzar, you're done. Babylon, you're done. Just that fast, it was over that night. Belshazzar, the king of the Babylonians, was slain. And so if we know that, if we remember that, God can change it at any moment. And if he doesn't, it's not because we're bad. It might not be because we're not praying enough. It might not be any of those things. It might just simply be this is the way God is working out his plan and purpose. This is the way he's done it throughout all of history. And this is the way he's doing it still today. And so we rest in that. I like the the image in my own mind of falling backward into the sovereignty of God. (laughs) I'm fallen and guess what? God's going to catch me. He's catching me. He's there to catch me in his sovereignty. So 
we learn that. We learn from this story as well. We see that sin is not static. Sin always brings a decline. And, and so we see in Belshazzar, we see the decline. Nebuchadnezzar sinned and repented. And you would have thought that Belshazzar would have learned a lesson from that and repented, but he didn't. Sin always will take us down further and further as long as we hold on to it. But like we saw with Nebuchadnezzar, the moment we humble ourselves before God and he's right there to restore us and to reestablish us. And so those are the things that we can just for forever trust in. Um, one last thing. I was talking to um, my youngest son today and he said something that was, that was just really great. And it, it kind of fits into what we're saying here. Talking about Jesus and how the disciples came upon or, or storms came upon the disciples. Now, these were storms. You know, these were actual storms, right? And you remember, they were fierce storms. They were storms that were so fierce that the disciples who were highly experienced seamen, they were afraid for their lives. But the Lord helped them in the storm. And in some cases, he stopped the storm. Remember, he stood up and he said, peace be still. And he calmed the wind and the waves. And everyone marveled, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? So in some cases, he stopped the storm. In another case, he didn't stop it. He came walking to them on the stormy sea. And the point that he was making was, Either God will stop the storm or he will walk with us through it. And I thought, yeah, that's a great, that's a great reminder. He'll either stop the storm. So I think legitimately we pray, you know, God, stop, stop these storms. You know, it's a good thing to pray those things. Um, Lord, push back the evil, restrain the wicked. Lord, don't let, this evil prevail in our time. Have mercy on us. Stop the storm, Lord. But we know in God's sovereignty, he might not stop it. But if he doesn't, he will walk us through it. He will carry us through it. He will see us through it. And that's what we trust in. For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. 
For many, the new year brings with it new resolutions for change and the prospect for achieving previously unattained goals. But when the routines of life resume, resolutions rarely last beyond even the first few months of the year. The intent of becoming a better version of ourselves usually ends in failure. But if you're a Christian, you have the ultimate hope. Grace has the power to do what nothing else, not even resolutions, can do. Grace has the power to rescue you from you. Grace has the power to restore you to what God created you to be. Only God's grace has the power to produce lasting change within your life. In his book, 40 Days of Grace, Paul David Tripp provides powerful vignettes on the transforming power of God's grace. That is, the grace of God in the person of Jesus, who alone produces authentic, lasting change. This year, rather than resolutions, learn deeply about the transforming power of the grace of God. The book, 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.